podcasters assemble. Hey everybody, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. Hi everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. Hello everyone, this is Sterling from twitch.tv slash swissuperflop. This is Trotal Power from the Power Playthroughs podcast. Hi, I'm Jason from the Drinkopedia podcast. And this is... Thor the Dark World. Thor's the Dark World. Thor the Dark World. Thor the Dark World. Thor 2 the Dark World. The main drive in Thor the Dark World is a push by Malekith, leader of the Dark Elves, to reclaim a weapon called the Aether. In a flashback storytelling scene at the beginning of the movie, Odin explains that in in the time before time, his father uh, defeated Malekith and kept the Dark Elves from bringing darkness to the whole world. It's not really clear what that means exactly. Like, is it just literally they turn out the lights? I don't know. They don't really explain it. In any case, uh, according to Odin, the Dark Elves were all destroyed, but the Aether was too powerful to be destroyed. So instead, it was locked away. It was buried somewhere where it would never be found. Oh, if you are reading the Thor comics at all, currently written by Jason Aaron, you know that there is so much more they could have done with Malekith. I don't know what this whole weird storyline of sleeping for thousands of years and then he's awake and it's the Aether and it's this space gem, but it's not. What do they eventually or no, do they eventually say that it's a stone? Excuse me, not infinity gem. There's stones in the movies. This movie's villain is Malekith, who is like this C-list, D-list villain at best from the comics. Uh, His whole shtick is he's got a yin yin and yang on his face. It's great. He's crap. Uh, His his whole arc is, I'm an elf, and I'm an allegory for black people and how Asgardians are white people and how they treated me terribly. And now, look, I'm white and black. It it doesn't go anywhere. It's terribly executed. I wish it was better because, you know, you could have made Asgardians as like these pompous, super rich aliens who just conquer other aliens and deprive other aliens of great stuff. And they completely botched it. As far as a favorite hero moment from this movie, I have to say it's right at the beginning of the movie when Thor is fighting the rocky creature guy from the elven kingdom thing. And uh, he throws his hammer up through him. The guy explodes everywhere. It's a great animation. I think, I think the problem with Thor sometimes in terms of his action is he's got a hammer. 
how many times can you really improve on a guy swinging on other guys with a hammer? Uh, not many, but this movie gives us a little teaser of like how dope Thor is in the very beginnings where he smashes up a rock guy and it's really cool. And uh, he defeats him. And one of the other characters says, I think next time we should start with a big guy. And uh, I just remember from playing video games and stuff that you would always fight the, the, the admins, the, the lesser bosses first. So we're back into the world of Thor, the many worlds of our outer space alien. And I think in terms of favorite hero moments, what this movie does great is it really plays up on Tom Hiddleston. I think Marvel saw, you know, how, how great Loki was in Thor 1, Avengers 1, and they wanted to play that, that relationship up more. It's a great relationship where, you know, it's your brother, you love him, but he's a dick, he hates you. You know, they're just, they're just two brothers in a pod. It's like a 90s sitcom. And I think they really play it up uh, where they try to blur the lines more for Loki in terms of is, is he a villain, is he a hero? Jane Foster is on a date and she gets interrupted by Darcy, who is just the comedic gold of this entire film. And Darcy's explaining that they've uh, picked up some readings of gravitational something or others and uh they end up going to this like weird warehouse of mystery where a little kid's able to lift up a whole tanker truck and there's portals where you can toss a bottle uh off of a stairway and it'll disappear and then reappear like 50 feet in the air and keep falling like like the, like a game of portal some other things i really well, other thing I really like about this movie is the the first time when you see the time continuum uh, loop, web hole, wormhole, whatever you want to call it, uh, and the bottle is dropped through and it keeps going through, and then Ian tosses his car keys in, and uh, Darcy goes, hey, did you just throw the car keys in there? And he just kind of looks over at her, and well, they lost the car keys. Uh, Jane later finds them in the movie, so that's good. And uh, as Jane's exploring this warehouse of mystery, she gets sucked through a portal, directly to where the ether is stored um which makes me think that perhaps bore odin's father didn't do a great job burying it somewhere no one would ever find it because there was literally a portal in space time that takes straight to it so jane gets uh inhabited by the ether and uh when she's when she's off in etherland wherever that is heimdall can't see her Heimdall's a great character, but I feel like he gets a bad rap in this movie. He can't see Jane here. Uh, thankfully, he notices that and, and you know, sends Thor to, to go check it out. Uh, by the time Thor gets there, she's returned to Earth, and he brings her back to Asgard um, because she's full of ether energy, which makes her explode whenever anyone grabs her. So Jane was in, um, she got sucked into the anomaly and she's like passed out basically in this like void and, um, and then she woke up on the floor and she walks outside and she finds out that she has been gone for five hours and it starts raining, but there's like this big circle where it's not raining, but it's only around her 
and it moves with her as she walks, but um, she's standing there talking to, um, I can't think of her name, the, the other girl, and um, she looks over her shoulder, and Thor is standing there, and it's been two years since she's seen him, and I got immediate chills. It was great. As far as a favorite action scene for this movie, I definitely would have to say it's when Jane first interacts with the police and she explodes with the energy and the police go flying everywhere. Uh, that's just, again, it just made me laugh. I thought it was funny uh, just to see that they were so intent uh, on arresting her that that happened. Back in Asgard, we get more exposition explaining how the ether was this great weapon. Um, it, it's it's a relic from before time began, and oh man, we really gotta keep an eye on it and keep it secure. Unfortunately, out in space, uh, a ship full of dark elves has woken up. Uh, apparently, this is related to the convergence. I guess it's not because Jane found the ether; they were just gonna wake up anyway. Uh, but now that that they're awake. Uh, Malaketh, the leader, can sense where the ether is, and so he sends in a, a, a Trojan horse in the form of of a cursed, I think is what he's called, is the cursed, uh, which is a dark elf who crushes some stone inside of him. I, I, he puts the stone inside of him to snake him, but then he crushes it in his hand. I think the stone is basically like just a little bit of ether. Like it's just a little bit of the same sort of technology. Uh, and it makes him hulk out and he smashes up the dungeons of Asgard. Uh, he looks at Loki over in, in the cell where Loki's being held for his his treasonous actions, but uh, doesn't let Loki out. But then Loki says, I'd take the stairs on the left if I were you. Oh, Loki, you're bad. My favorite line of dialogue in this movie was um, Thor was um, trying to protect Asgard, that all the prisoners were breaking out and everything, and Thor stops a guy and says, return to your cells and you will not be harmed. You have my word. And the guy attacks him. He's like, very well, you do not have my word. And then he smashes him into the wall. Uh, it was fantastic. <laughs> um, and everybody in Asgard's on high alert. They're all got to defend. Uh, and then we get like this weird sequence. So Odin sees Freya and and uh, Natalie Portman and tells them that they need to, you know, go be safe, blah, blah, blah. And Freya's like, oh, you be careful. And he's like, I've survived so many things. And she's like, only because of me worrying about you. And it's a really cute scene. And then uh, there's a long sequence of action moments with no dialogue, like several minutes long where nobody's talking. So things that happen is Heimdall's standing at the gates. There's a ship flying in, but it's like stealthed. We can see it, but Heimdall can't. And then he notices and Oh, man, he runs and he jumps on the side of the ship and he stabs it with the little daggers and blows up the ship. It's really cool and it crashes. But, oh, smokes, there's a whole bunch more ships coming in. So all these ships are flying in. And then Asgardian ships start flying back out at them. And we get, like, weird dogfights that are super Star Wars style. And there's turret guns. And they're shooting at the ships. And a big ship crashes through into Asgard. And, oh, man, it's intense. It's a big ship. And what's going to happen? All the Asgardian soldiers approach the big ship. 
and inside there's a bunch of dark elves. We see them waiting in the dark. And then the doors open up and cannons start coming out and they blast all the Asgardian guards and then all the dark elves come pouring out of it and then all the 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 the, the, the dark elves are swarming all over everywhere and Malekith comes out and he takes a grenade and just casually chucks it at the throne of Asgard, which is really cool. And then, oh, there's more fighting, and people are just going nuts. And then uh, Odin's like, wait, what's happening? And he goes, Freya. And then it cuts to Freya's room, and, and that's where he finally breaks the silence of no dialogue is when he says Freya. And in Freya's room, Malekith has shown up, and Freya pulls a sword, and she's totally beating Malekith. She's going to beat him in a fight. And then, and then the curse shows up and kills Freya. Freya's funeral is really intense. It's a really beautiful scene. Um, there's everyone in Asgard is out on the streets. They're carrying lanterns. They put her into into a boat and push it out to sea, and then shoot a flaming arrow at it. And then you see all these other flaming arrows shooting out because they're going to all the different uh, the different ships, the different boats full of of Asgardians who died in this assault by the Dark Elves. It's a really um, a really touching, moving scene. It's very good. One of the weird things about this movie is that right smack dab in the middle of this like epic high fantasy movie, we get a heist scene. Uh, Thor has decided he needs to get Natalie Portman off the planet um, because, or out of the realm, I suppose. Uh, he he's, His plan is that if they take her to somewhere else, somewhere not Asgard, then Malekith will follow and he will extract the ether from her and then Thor will destroy both Malekith and the ether. Um, but he can't get out of Asgard because the, the, the Bifrost has been closed. So he and the Warriors 3, or the Lady Sif and two Warriors, because one of them's just not in this movie. He's like at the very beginning, and then he stays in another realm for some reason. And then later on, we see a flash of him during a big action scene, but he's not really doing anything. I don't understand why he's not, why he's not in Asgard. In any case, uh, Heimdall, Thor, Sif, two of the Warriors 3... I'll hatch a plot to break Loki out of jail and then uh, distract the guards and steal a ship and fly it out. And then they jump from one ship to another ship. And it's this like long, elaborate heist scene. And it's really good. It's a really fun sequence of events, um, partially because it's I like a heist. I, I love a heist. A heist is always good. But also you get a lot of great Loki action in this. He's been kind of destitute and sad in a, in a cell for the majority of this movie. And he's just, he's delighted with Thor breaking the rules. He thinks it is the most fun. And there's a lot of good quipping type interaction here between him and Thor. Um, ultimately, they manage to escape from Asgard and they end up on the planet of the Dark Elves. The moment where the apex of their relationship hits is when Thor and Loki are on a boat trying to get away. They have a quiet moment to themselves, and Loki is like, I bet you you'll never ever trust me. Uh, why are you even doing this? Why are you even with me as a brother anymore? And Thor goes, you know what? I honestly, there would have been a time where I would have tried to save you, where I probably would have tried to convince you or persuade you to be good or whatever, but you're fucking broken, man. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of your shit, and you're here now. Our mom just died. 
uh, and we're gonna deal. We're gonna deal with it our way or the highway, because uh, we're gonna die. And I think it's a nice moment between them. So once they get to the planet of the dark elves, uh, Loki's been repeatedly asking to have his uh, bonds cut, set him free. Come on, don't you trust me, brother? Don't you trust me? And then Loki's like, uh, "All right, I'll take your your bonds off you." And then he's like, "But would you trust you?" And Loki's like, "Nope." And stabs Thor. Oh gosh! And then he cuts his arm off. It's really intense. And then and then he's like, "Malaketh, come on, man, we're on the same side." And Malaketh pulls the ether out of out of Natalie Portman, and he's about to kill Thor. And then Thor goes, "Loki, now!" And it turns out it was all a trick. Thor's just fine, and he and Loki fight together against the Dark Elves. Um, this is a really good scene, but it does ultimately end with Loki dies. Loki dies, because it's a Thor movie, and so Loki dies. He's not dead. In the end, Malekith gets the Aether back in this scene. Um, he's all super powered and he heads to earth to use the convergence of the nine realms, which is apparently focalized in Greenwich to, uh, bring darkness to the nine realms, I guess is his plan. Um, his plan is a weak part of this movie. Um, him as a villain is a weak part of this movie. Uh, and this big action scene that we get at the end is kind of a weak part of this movie. Um, there's a lot of good moments to it, but I think because I don't really understand the stakes, I mean, the stakes are, I guess, all of reality. Um, so there's a, like a mental health facility and, um, the guys up there standing there talking about the convergence and like going over all the details of how it's going to happen and then he stops and he's like it's simple any questions and then um a guy turns around and says yeah can i have my show back and it's stanley he's over there um playing chess or something um but he's super cute People like the humor in this one. We get more of Cat, uh, is it Dennings, I want to say, and Meow Meow. And that's entertaining. But the whole thing of we're going to stick these poles in the ground, there was so much sort of woo-woo science going on that they just wanted us to accept. And the problem with that is, you know, they did it in the Avengers. And if you if you science the science enough, eventually we'll just say, okay, we'll buy it and move on. But it's, it felt weird in this film for some reason. My favorite quotes from this movie, I would definitely, 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 a lot of definitely's in this one. I have to say, it's right in the movie, Jane and uh, Eric are running through the university, and there's some kids standing in the window, and one of the kids goes, Thor's out there swinging his hammer out and stuff. I could imagine that would be my reaction. But because this action scene is just, it's so it's so big that it's hard to really get engaged with the moment to moment of it. But there are a lot of good moments to be fair. 
most of it comes from the fact that there's portals all over the place and so like Thor flies through a portal to another reality and Mjolnir's like oh man I've got to go catch up to him and starts flying one direction and then he comes back through the portal and Mjolnir's like oops let me turn around again there's some fun stuff in here but ultimately it kind of felt like the movie hit its climax when Loki was killed and then the movie kind of just keeps going and it's like can we skip to the part where we win here as far as a favorite villain moment in Thor, uh, The Dark World, I have to say it's when Malik comes down to the world and him and Thor are battling it out toward the end of the, the movie. Um, he's charging up his big attack and Thor throws his hammer, swings it at him, and uh, he goes flying back and hits the rock and he just <laughs> flies a long way. And even though it's not a great bullet for the villain himself, I found that to be the most entertaining moment for the villain. This dangling thread is by far the most boring dangling thread. It's the will they, won't they of uh, Jane Foster, Thor's love interest, and Thor himself. Uh, The real will they, won't they is will Natalie Portman come back to these movies or will she not? Will the paycheck be big enough? Probably not because she hasn't come back since uh, and that's her right. (laughs) That's, That's her freedom of choice and she chose well because everyone could see how terribly she phoned it in in this movie. If you don't want to be part of a thing, don't be part of a thing, Natalie. You're you're an Academy Award winner. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know. This film, it just felt uneven. And it was playing up a lot more with Jane Foster and the fact that then we don't come back to her ever. And she's like the first human to set foot in Asgard. And she gets a, infected by this Aether thing and potentially becomes a stronger being. And it's like, and then we never see her again. Later on, they're just like, she's somewhere safe or, well, I guess we broke up too bad off screen, whatever. They're setting up these characters. And for whatever reason, if it's just because Thor 2 didn't work out, we never really see them again outside of Eric Selvig. And I think that's a shame that we don't see some of these side characters we were introduced to. But I also don't know that we needed. It felt uneven. It's like, here's your big cosmic action, sort of. And then here's your really down to earth comedy. And in this case, it just didn't gel. So sorry, Thor of the Dark World. I wish better things for you. I love that we get to see the other realms. I just, I think you could have used a larger, more epic plot for Thor. I think that's what Thor should have been. Thor 2 is a nothing movie. (laughs) That's my anything else. It's... I mean, if you like Chris Hemsworth, I think he takes his shirt off again. That's a pro. Uh, if, but if not, you don't have to watch this movie. You can skip it and go to better movies. They had 11 years. They were going to come out with some duds. I don't know. I feel like they knew what direction they were going with the Infinity Gems, but then they also didn't. It felt really weird and shoehorned. So we win, uh, and Thor ends up going back to Asgard to talk to his father about how he can't take the crown. You know, Loki died with honor, and, and it was Loki was the one who understood how to rule, and Thor will always be a warrior. He'll always protect the realm, but he cannot lead it. And uh, Odin's like, that's cool. I understand. And then uh, Thor leaves, and then Odin is revealed to be Loki. It's been It's been Loki for this whole scene. It turns out Loki didn't die. He somehow ended up 
taking Odin's place. We don't really get an explanation of where Odin is yet. We just know that Loki sits on the throne of Asgard. And Loki is really just Stockholm Syndrome for MCU fans, because uh, they can do anything to us. Just create a terrible movie, terrible jokes, terrible plot. But if you put Loki in it, it'll be good. And he, he's kind of a villain, you know? So he counts. He's good. He, Loki's my favorite villain moment. Just all of him. Uh, where the first Thor was far lighter and this really self-contained like i said uh, when i talked about that film it, you know it felt kind of like a cartoon it's this little tiny story it takes place in one place everybody is almost a, a cartoonish aspect of themselves you had um uh, uh uh oh no now i'm blanking on the the director's name um kenneth branagh doing all of the dutch angles right in the first thor movie but it was just, I don't know, in general, this one was kind of hard to get around. We had another, like, Loki gets redeemed. Oh, just kidding. We all love Loki. That's our Loki. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track. But that's like it's the stakes are too high. They need they need to make they need to make their stakes uh, a little more medium rare. Podcasters assemble probably will return in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Ah, uh, Thor. Marvel's little baby. Marvel's little baby boy.